What's up, everyone? Tyler Tambolin here, a.k.a. Totag and Tambo. Back for what I've told you three weeks in a row is the final show. This is the final show. I can promise you that. We've got a Super Bowl coming up. We're excited. Super Bowl 56. Two great teams. The original start of the season Bengals, 150 to 1 odds at the start of the season, have made it all the way to the Super Bowl to play against the Rams. We got the Rams as anywhere from a four to four and a half favorite, depending on where you look right now. It's sort of going around a little bit there. Some books are even testing the waters to see what they can get for numbers on either side and changing the line in their own favor if they want. But then also a 48 and a half point total. So it should be a good game. Probably the best playoffs I think I've seen in forever. Watching football a long time now. And this has been just incredible these last six games leading up to this spot. But this will be the final show. I can assure you of that. We're going to do the prize picks. We're going to do the DraftKings segment, which will be a fun one because it's showdown. It'll be action-packed. We'll get through it quick so you guys get what you need, but it will be different, right? There's a captain structure. We'll go through strategy. We're going to do all that stuff near the end. Before we get into it, though, got to bring in my guy, Mr. JT Hayes. We're rounding out the season, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, and the Super Bowl is here. Second year in a row where the team that plays in that stadium is going to play in the Super Bowl. And notice I'm not using the, to- the term home field advantage. <laughs> That's because the Rams fans have decided that they'd rather make a few bucks and in these playoffs have sold out to the other team's ticket holders. Of course, it's a little bit different where all types of people, anyone who can shell out what eight, nine, fifteen thousand $15,000 for a ticket going to be there. The gleaming new beautiful SoFi stadium on Sunday. And I agree with you a fantastic playoff season, just, ups and downs the games that Kansas City was involved in with the Bills and then everyone expecting the same thing against the Bengals first half looked like that's the way it was going where hey we need a big big comeback we're gonna see a shootout not at all second half a total dud unless you are the man Joe Burrow or a Cincinnati Bengals fan just an amazing run by this team who people thought were a year two years away not so much they're here they're here on Sunday take on Matthew Stafford in the biggest game of his career, something we've said, everyone has said, every single week of these playoffs. Tambo, can he finish the job off this Sunday? We're going to find out. But while you watch, while you prepare for the game, if you missed the season-long contest, that's okay. Go to prizepicks.com now, enter code MMN, get your $100 deposit match. This is the last football game. A ton of props, though up on prize picks for the Super Bowl. In fact, it was hard to narrow down which ones I liked. We'll get into that. But once football's done, you've got golf going on, the NBA, baseball may or may not come back sometime in early summer. Who knows? Tambo, what do you think? Stafford going to finish the job? Yeah, we're going to have to see. I'm not so sure. I I think it's been the the underdog story all season long. Joe Burrow came out even previous to last game, the AFC uh, championship game saying, look, I'm tired of that angle. It's just not true. And I'm going to show you again. And he did. And then he brought him here. So I think it was always going to be big game uh, Burrow. But at the same time, we weren't sure it was going to be this quick. Big, big game Bengals, I was going to say. But for big game Burrow, you think about the, the thought process around him, how good he was. This guy was set to be the rookie of the year before that unfortunate leg injury. And then Herbert obviously went off and did his thing. And he's another incredible talent. It speaks to where the game is right now, just how good the game of NFL is. And that's why we got the playoffs that we did that we just talked about. I don't want to jinx it, JT Hayes, but I don't think we can get a bad Super Bowl. And the reason I'll say this, because even if it went under, even if one team ran them over, the unknown going into it is what makes it a game in the first place where you go in and say, like, oh, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. The line keeps moving around. 
So many people think the Rams just put together this all-star team and they're going to crush the O-line for the Bengals. Oh, there's no way they can do it. They've got so lucky. It worked every other game, even in games where Joe Burrow took nine sacks, they still pulled off W's. So to say that it's probably true that on paper, but we know that doesn't give you the outcome of every game. The other side is like we said, a lot of people long-term, you mentioned the home field advantage piece. I couldn't agree with you more. It's definitely the way it's always been there in LA. They're happy to cheer on their team from home. Maybe their million dollar mansions up in the Hills, who knows, but they'll get that money for those tickets. And then you got the factor of Bengals fans been waiting a long time for this. So they were talking about before their playoff when you couldn't even text someone because there was no such thing as texting when they got, you know, last time they were in the playoffs. So love that going into it. Love that you brought up prize picks. Like you said, even when we leave and go away, make sure you subscribe to the Mayo Media Network. Get in here. There's going to be picks of all kinds. Sports betting, prize picks, DraftKings, everything throughout the season. NHL still going full-fledged. Golf is back. So many great prize picks for PGA. And I, you guys know I do a bunch of PGA content, so you can definitely keep that in mind moving forward. We'll see if anything comes with that. But JT Hayes, let's get into it. You said it. I joked about it at the early start of our season doing these prize picks. I love the first one. Not so sure on the second one. Solve the problem. We're here late in the season. I'm just going to play two props of the exact same guy. So guess what? I love both of them. And here's mine. I'm going with Van Jefferson. Had a little bit of an injury in that championship game, but bounced back, traveled, uh, did, did all the practices. He's still limited as of today, but everything looks full go, they said, for him. I'm not saying this is, you know, congruent with him being better because of this, but if Tyler Higby doesn't go and it does look pretty doubtful for him right now, obviously we have Blanton and these other guys that will step in, but I do think that Van Jefferson's trusted enough. I also think you got to think about the long, what his game is, the long game, right? So if you look at the numbers here, the two prize picks that I'm going with for this week, first off, the one I love more than the one I love both is the over two receptions. I think he's, I don't love that there's no um, hook there, that it's got to go, you got to get three out of it, but two, you can still push. The other thing I love about it is just, I think it's going to be something you can see in the first half, right out of the gate. The second pick I'm going with is also with Van Jefferson, over 28 and a half receiving yards. That could literally be one play. If you go back before last game with the injury and everything going on, 29, 41, 31 and 63 and is that beats it every single time and that average is almost over 20 so if you think about the difference we're looking at you know one two catches that he needs anyway that's going to pay off both of these so i'm happy to have this over over 20 28 and a half receiving yards van jefferson over two receptions van jefferson what do you got on your side this week well, it's interesting because when i looked at the rams you have an offense that the central piece is cooper cup in order to get Cooper Cup's number, you got to go up to 105 and a half. You got to go to a very high number of receptions. He probably gets past those numbers, but what's the fun in taking the obvious favorite, the obvious play? Not going to take him. OBJ, five receptions. Eh, it made me feel a little queasy, a little queasy about the OBJ play. So I'm not going to do that. Sony Michelle outsnapped Cam Akers, something like 52 to 18 last week. No idea what they're going to do in the backfield there. So I'm going to go to the other side. I'm going to go to two numbers that I think make a little bit of sense based on what we've seen in the playoffs and throughout the season. The first, a little bit of an off-the-board play, over 25.5 receiving yards for Joe Mixon. reason why is he's gone over 25.5 receiving yards, not just a bunch of times this season, but in each of the three Bengals playoffs wins. Two of those were close, 27 and 28, but 51 receiving yards there in that middle game. So I like that. I like that a lot. In fact, that's why I made it my first prize pick. So we'll go with Mixon, over 25 and a half receiving yards. 
And then all the focus, if you're the Rams, you have to believe Jalen Ramsey, whoever else in the backfield, got to stop Jamar Chase, got to stop Jamar Chase, got to stop Jamar Chase. I don't know if they can do it. But what I do know is while that focus is there, while they work and they scheme ways, creative ways, as they've done all season long, and in particular, in the postseason to get Chase open, the guy that's going to draw a lot less attention over the middle, down the sideline, T. Higgins, same thing as the number with Jefferson, just a little higher, over five receptions. He's got to get to six, but he's done that in the last two playoff games. You can call the game against the Raiders a stinker if you want, but that's a game that Jamar Chase and Joe Mixon just went absolutely bonkers. So T. T. Higgins, over five receptions. I think he's going to get there. I think he's going to get there sweat free. Yeah, I love both those plays. They correlate nicely, too, with what I'm doing over here with Van Jefferson. If they get a lead and then have to come back with those guys, it's going to be plenty of pass attempts going to T. Higgins. It's going to be plenty of yardage and pass attempts going to Mixon. So both those picks line up with where I'm going as well. You can pile them all together. I know for me, Super Bowl Sunday is always the time I love to hit the prop bets, the same game parlays, the prize picks, all of it put together. So definitely going to be good. And I got two bonus plays. Couldn't, couldn't go out on the last show of the year. Like you said, we just loved so many of them going through them. So third pick of the final show of the season is going to be Joe Burrow over 200 and 270 and a half yards passing. I think it just ties into everything we just said. I do expect the Rams to go ahead. We're going to get more into that later when we talk DraftKings and breaking down this game in general. But I definitely think that's a number that he's going to be able to hit. I know there's going to be a focus. I know about Jalen Ramsey. I know all of these things. But the bottom line is if they go down in the game, they have to go to Joey Burrow and get that offense moving. And they can get it moving quickly with all the options. Higgins, Chase, Boyd. Uh, it sounds like Uzoma is going to go. If not, they've got Drew Sample who can fill in. And then, of course, Mixon, who you mentioned before, on top of the other. So I definitely think there's going to be some action there. And then what about the irony, JT Hayes? I'm going to end the season on an under. And it's funny you brought it up, but I'm going with it. Cooper Cup, 105.5. I'm really going to go ballsy here and test it. I'm going to go under 105 and a half. As much as the conversation is going to be around the other side with Ramsey and shadowing and Jamar Chase, and we need to shut him down to make sure they win. And if they do that, it's fine. You think the Bengals don't know what they need to do? Shut down Cooper Cup. And it's, look, easier said than done. Very, very much easier said than done when it comes to Cooper Cup all season long. That one drop in the bucket, remember to seal the game a few weeks back there. That's 40, 50 yards on, on demand. But uh, 105 and a half is hard to hit. It's still a big number, right? When you go into the game, we said this all season, as many, as much as we love those overs, you got, you do start the game with zero. So it's nicer to say, you know, under 105 and a half than over. We'll go with that to round out the season. Anything else you want to add for the prize pick segment? I am impressed by the courage that you have. I can't endorse that pick after <laughs> last week, the Cooper cup game that he had, I, I faded him. Tambo, I faded him. Cause I said, the other team knows this is the guy. If they stop him, they're going to win this game. It didn't matter. He's unstoppable. You can't stop Cooper Cup. So I just say, no, I'm playing him every <laughs> single Sunday. I don't care what happens. Now, the Bengals did have a nice game against the Chiefs and that secondary, a very odd second half game that we don't have the time to go into in terms of the Chiefs strategy. The game, the way that Mahomes played in that second half, was that more the Chiefs? And a choke, or was that more the Bengals showing something that they really have not shown us this season? I think that's one of the more interesting things here is what do the Bengals do defensively? Can they at least slow down the Rams enough to give Burrow the time that he's going to need? He's going to eat some sacks, 
But I also think there's going to be some dump ups there. And we've seen just how good Joe Burrow is under pressure. Gosh, that mix and over that you've got there just is so tasty. Just thinking about that too, just talking about it, you know, uh, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, these guys coming at him and just needing to dump it off. Like that has to be the game plan. I don't care what happens. We can't let Joey B take nine sacks. So if it's six, call it a win, but let's make sure we get those dump offs happening. Let's make sure we see those short passes. And I definitely think that's going to go in with the game plan. Let's move to the drafting segment because all of this is going to come into play. Anyway, we're going to talk about some of these things for those that don't know, you know, just sort of showed up for the first time. It is a different format than what we're used to and what we've been talking about all season. The showdown format, the quickest breakdown I can give you is that you are picking six guys in the game. You have to have at least one from the opposite team. So you can play five guys from one side in what we'd call like an onslaught and run it back with just one guy from the other team, but there's a captain slot. And what happens in the captain slot is you get 1.5, the points, but you also pay 1.5, the salary. So it's the same salary cap as always, but the captain slot is 1.5 X, the cost of their standard salary that you use in the flex. Hopefully that's a good breakdown. You guys can definitely check it out. Just log onto the app and play around with it. Some we're not going to get so much into the finite of who's what salary. What does it equal? If we do that, this, that, and the other, we will talk strategy for sure and break it down and guys that are cheaper and ways that you can utilize it to be different. Definitely going to dive into that because I think that's more important, especially in the large, $15, 450,000 entrant tournament that we're talking about somewhere in that range over on DraftKings. So got to talk about it when we get into it. But before we do that, JT Hayes, I want to talk to you about just sort of a grand scheme overview, what you see here for this game. If you want to give away the full result or what you see happening out of the gates, by all means, but just sort of some of the stuff we talked about digging into what you expect to see happen, how the game shakes out as far as strategy, and then what you see as an end result near the end. One of the things that I'm leaning on is, is something that we saw in the last game for the Rams and something that we've seen consistently for them throughout the season, but more starting with the last game, moving away from the running game, moving away from Cam Akers, Sony Michelle, not a lot of success in that last game, but he did outsnap Akers. That puts us in a situation of what happens here? Do they go back now? Is Cam Akers fully healthy? Does Cam Akers go back as the running back one, or did they see enough out of him and say, hey, Sony was good enough during the season, and he's the guy we're going to ride with. Bengals are okay against the run. You want to attack them through the air in their secondary normally, and that's where Matthew Stafford and the Rams have excelled. On the Cincinnati side, you brought it up. Reason why, another reason why I like Joe Mixon, another reason why I like T. Higgins for the prize picks is because I do think part of this game plan is going to rely on Joe Burrow's quick execution when under pressure. And that's going to mean getting the ball out of his hands in the backfield to mix in short gains over the middle to the sideline to T Higgins, and then try and break the big one with chase, maybe even with Tyler Boyd down the middle. If he's a guy that's going to get forgotten about in coverage It's hard for me to see, just based on the way that the Rams put this team together, as much as I want the Bengals and I want them to win and I love Burrow and I love this coach and I love this team and they're so much fun to watch, it's difficult to see them coming out of this with a win, coming out of this, especially if they get behind early the same way they did against Kansas City, because Los Angeles has been, if not a top three, I think the top offense on the season in terms of putting up points. The interesting thing also for the Bengals offense, though, 
is we've seen in a number of games this year. And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we were breaking down the Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is they haven't just given up big leads to good teams. They've given up big leads to teams like the Texans. So this is a defense that when they get up has a tendency to relax a little bit. We'll see if that changes on Sunday. I think the Rams get a close win. The difference you talked about with DraftKings, the showdown slate here, you can't get all these guys in. So you're going to have to take some stands because of the pricing. And I think you're going to have to take stands in terms of where you see this game playing out, who you think can have those ceiling games, 450,000 entrants in that big one, huge dollar amount up top, but you've got to have the perfect lineup. Yeah, you do for sure. And it's going to come down to a certain thought process. We'll get into it in a second. We're talking about some captains that you can use and ways to be different in these tournaments in general. But just to your point there, I think you said it like, man, Aaron Donald had to get on those guys hard on the sidelines. You know how bad he wanted to get here. It's sort of his legacy piece that he's counting on. Now, one thing to go out and say it and then, you know, the other to go out and do it. You just talked about it in past examples where they've been able to go, where they've been able to bounce back. They went down though and given up some of these leads. They literally cannot let off the gas against this Bengals team. And the other side of it is Stafford can definitely make some mistakes. Big game for him. Like you said, biggest of his career Rams set out to do what they wanted to do. They got rid of Goff. They brought in Stafford. They added and I won't say sold out, but they made sure they did what they had to do to get the right surroundings. The unfortunate injury to Robert Woods, but replaced with Odell is what it is. And Odell sort of had that resurgence that they love to see so much. So yeah, it's going to be a good game. I think, I think it's either, you know, what we've had, which is another down to the wire game. And this is pertaining towards strategy as well in showdown. I think if you've got enough lineups, or you're playing 10 plus lineups. You can build some lineups around a certain game script. That's the best way to do it. And I think it's either a close game or the Rams stomp. I don't think there's any other way this goes and close could be up and down. As far as the total goes, the totals 48 and a half. I think it would be close to that. If we get a close game, uh, maybe even over. But at the same time, I think there is a chance, to your point, what if the Rams do just get ahead and just stomp? People could be looking back from a betting perspective at this minus four, minus four and a half, saying, why didn't I just slam everything in on that? Like, this is a much better spot than you'd think. But at the same time, the scary part for me is just thinking from a public perspective and just going back to things before we get into it is like, why isn't it seven and a half? Where at least you could get a bunch of people betting on the Bengals saying, oh, you're going to give Joey Burrow a touchdown? after all that just, you know, that just happened there and how good they've been and they just beat the Chiefs and all this, that worries me a little bit that it almost seems like free money on the Rams. And I have faith in Joey Burrow. Like I said, and this O-line thing on paper that everyone's going to talk about is true, but on paper doesn't, is not the end result. If you saw a game where Burrow took nine sacks on paper, you'd say they got destroyed. No, they won. They find a way to battle through and got the job done. It is one game. It's winner take all. So We'll hop into it. We'll go through some of this as we go through it. I think one of the biggest things for me is just the strategy side. I say this all the time, talking daily fantasy, just in general across the space JTAs. just, you know, it's not always who you play. It's how you play. And that's really the biggest factor in showdown, right? When we're going into it, I know the most obvious way, what people are going to say, and then I'll get your strategy thoughts here in a minute are oh, in a tournament, that field, just make sure you leave money on the table. Sure. I, I don't disagree. That's definitely a great way. The key is here, remember, to get a unique lineup that scores the most points. You can end up getting the most money with it's a million dollars up top. If you split it even with 20 people, you're still doing pretty good. You just don't want 500 way chops. If you'll take what you get, I understand, but we're trying to look for ways to get different. So what strategies do you have before we go into the plays and who we think we should move around and make this work? 
what strategies do you have as far as showdown is, is centered around? Definitely agree with what you said about a game script, right? How is this game going to go? I think some people will go in and look at projections and say, okay. And then you turn around, you look at ownership and say, okay. And then all of a sudden you have a bunch of lineups that are correlated well in terms of ownership and projection, but not really in terms of what happens in the game. And you just talked about one scenario. If the Rams smash, what happens? I think Joe Mixon is still in play. I think that Higgins is still in play, but I don't know about Jamar Chase because if the Rams are smashing, they're able to focus more closely on locking him down. Similarly, if this is a close game, you've got to believe that the Bengals are doing something right on defense. So is that keeping the ball out of Stafford's hands? Is that a time of possession thing? Or is it something where they're able to get a handle on cup and they're able to stop whoever the Rams put in terms of the backfield and keep the game running from that standpoint. So the other thing to look at, you talked about the onslaught build, the five one, there's some data out there about what the most popular builds are, but if you're leaving money on the table and the reason why you're leaving money on the table is you're jamming the three highest priced studs and putting in the two kickers, guess what? That's going to be a very, very popular build. It might be the right build, but I think that that's something to think about. And then also here in the Super Bowl with the injuries, it's going to be interesting because if Higby is out, then you have a Blanton in there, right? If Jefferson misses for some reason, then, you know, do you look at Skarnick? I don't know, probably not. But I think it's important to also look at who really has a chance of having a meaningful role in this game. Even if that meaningful role is just, let's say Jefferson gets over his prize pick and it's three catches for 32 yards at his price, he could be optimal. Yeah, I agree. And a couple more things you brought up. I, I love that you brought up the tight end factor because it does look at least in today's news, like, uh, you know, Uzoma will be able to go, but maybe Higby won't. But one thing DraftKings did that was nice is they priced it. So Higby's 4,800. Blanton's 46, Uzoma's 44, Sample's 42. So they set it up proper where it's like you can put in the starter and if they don't play, you can just drop it down and leave the money. If you think you have a lineup that you like and that's sort of how you see the game going. I think one of the most interesting strategies and what you just talked about and brought up was like the, the chase factor to me also goes hand in hand with the cup factor. The, the one side of it is, and that's why, like I said earlier, I'll fade the, the 105 and a half is that Cup will just be so popular. I would imagine Cup, so right now I'm seeing early numbers here, around 20% in the captain for Cooper Cup and around 74% total ownership because he's going to get used a ton in the flex when he's not there. The one side of the coin says the obvious. On a showdown slate with just one game, he's the stud. It doesn't matter what he does. He's probably going to be optimal within the top six guys in your lineup, even if it's just in flex. So don't use him in captain if you want to get a little bit different. 80% of the people, though, still aren't using him in captain, even if he is the highest owned at 20%. The other side of the coin, though, says that if he has the bad game, you're getting way ahead of the field. So I think if you have enough lineups, I definitely am comfortable fading Cup in some of those lineups. I'm really comfortable fading Chase on the other side. And I think even in some, I would fade both. And you brought up a good point because it segues right into my second strategy. The first was the stud wide receivers on both sides that are going to be popular fade one of each or fade both. The second one would be, and especially in captain that is too, the second one would be that it segues into is just thinking in general, as far as the strategy goes with the five, one, if you're saying the Rams stomp them, you could easily have a running back 
which we'll talk more about that in a second for the Rams, whoever it may be. Then you have their kicker, their defense, Stafford, because usually these top 1% lineups have a quarterback from one side in it. And then some random receiver, right? Whoever it might, maybe it's Van Jefferson. And even though you got all this money left on the other side and you can't even find one to fit, you'd be leaving all the salary. That's okay. Play Higgins because you like him. I like him. We're not playing chase. You have no chase, no cup, a game script that could make sense if your running back smashes and maybe cup isn't necessary, right? Maybe he is. I'm just saying that's an example of how you can go about it to be different. I want to talk real quick though on these running backs, trying to tie two things together in one segment, but just, you know, I did see the news today that it said McVeigh had said Daryl Henderson looks like he's going to be good to go for this game. So not only do we have what's moving now to a three headed back situation, but you also have, it's the Super Bowl, right? I remember I, I've told this story on this show before, but when I went to the Seahawks Patriots Super Bowl, the one with the very confrontational ending where they should have went to Lynch to run it, they say, and they didn't, and they end up throwing the interception there. I remember it was like, I think his name's Chris Moore. I want to say Chris Moore and he ended up playing on the Ravens after whatever. But anyway, the Seahawks came out. He'd just been signed during the off week or something off the practice squad. They bumped him up, ended up using him crazy in the first half. And he ended up having a bunch of points. I don't even think there was showdown slates back then, if I'm being honest, but just to tell a story here, there's definitely a situation where they just decide maybe he is the hot hand, or maybe they just decide to switch things up on preparation. What are your thoughts here on these Rams running backs? If you had to make a choice. Yeah, so that's something that Pete Carroll is well known for, right? You just yeah. bring in someone off the street. He did it with Rashad Benny this year. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's the feature back, and he played well. The thing here that is perhaps a little bit concerning is when Sean McVay starts to do this type of thing, it means he's lost confidence in the overall efficiency and capability of that backfield. If we're going to get Darrell Henderson back in here, that tells me that something isn't right with these other two guys. And I worry about that from a game plan perspective. We're going to see Henderson. Okay. Is that the guy to play sitting here on Thursday afternoon? As we record this, I don't know if he's the guy. I think that if you're playing a bunch of lineups, you've got to be paying attention to news right up until lock. Yeah. It's possible. One of these guys in, is inactive, but it's also very possible that all three of these guys are active. And you've got McVay saying, no, no, he's going to play. Remember, with Cam Akers, when Cam Akers was healthy, returned to practice, it was a full three weeks of every week listening to Sean McVay say, I think he's going to get some reps this week. I think he's going to get some reps this week. I'm not buying it. Yeah, I, I think, like you said, it's always tough. You got to watch the news down the stretch. But right, look, Henderson's $1,600 on DraftKings. Like I said, we're not going too much into the weeds with pricing, but just to bring that up, the obvious will be if Higby's out, let's play Blanton. That's a free value, right? A free space, if you will. I'm saying, like you just said, I couldn't agree more, where you have to take some chances with this spot. If there's any type of you know spot where McVeigh's unsure, that's where we can get some leverage on the field with the uncertainty and take the risk. Again, you're going to want to have more lineup, more lineups to do it, but I do think that's one way that you could go about it. And it was Chris Matthews. And my producer hooked me up with the name. I had to make sure, but it was Chris Matthews that they'd brought in. I think he was brought in before the Super Bowl, but it was late in the season off the practice squad, ended up being involved in a few different big plays down the stretch, but more so just bringing up the point that in the Super Bowl with the extra week to prepare and ways to really, there's a lot of this game gamesmanship, right? Back and forth where they're trying to play sort of the, the mind games. And if that's truth to be told, that would be a spot to do it 
with those running backs. I think that you could utilize that. And again, most people, especially if Higby gets ruled out, will be, or if it is Van Jefferson, I have more faith in him, obviously with my prize picks earlier, but if, you know, cup is the focus Odell Beckham, everyone on the public side knows who he is and how good of a season he's had since he moved over. You've got Blanton, a free square Stafford gets plugged in. I just think the lineups will be really Rams heavy from a receiver perspective or pass catcher, I should say perspective. And now you've got options to look at in these running backs, play two of them and take your chances. Maybe one does the work and one pounds in the touchdowns, but that ends up being the way you can set it up and then go with your game script. Uh, The other side of it is, and this is just the last strategy piece, and then we'll go more into it. But I I do look at the build types. You brought up the five, one, five, one, for those that don't know is obvious of five guys from one team, one from the other. But when we talk about strategy and put the five first, that means your captain also includes that number. So when I flip that on its head and say, how about a two, four, another style that doesn't get utilized enough, that's where you have two, two guys from one team with one of them being in the captain and then four guys in the flex from the other side. And I think the way you could go about it here, again, I'm not advocating for the cup captain because it's going to be the most popular, but just saying, if you put like cup with Stafford said, it's just them that do all the work and then load up your four Bengals on the other side, Joey B Higgins maybe Chase Fitz or it's Uzoma or Sample, whoever goes, Uzoma for them, whatever you want to set it up like, that's another way that you can get different on these slates. And then the last strategy piece, J.T. Hayes, and then I'll flip to you, get your game thoughts just in general back and forth. But I, I do think one way that you need to look at it too is like the more salary you use, the lower you want your ownership to be. You don't want to play less popular guys, the more your salary goes up. But the way I'll flip it and put it in reverse is if you leave a bunch of money on the table, you can have a little bit more popular lineup in this example. Let's say you max out your $50,000 salary with Jamar Chase in the flex, where he looks to be somewhere around 30% owned. Higgins is not that much less owned overall because people will play them together and play him instead of Chase and so on and so forth. He'll be like 25%, maybe 5% less. So you're saying, what's the real leverage there? But if you just make your best Jamar Chase lineup, remove Jamar Chase and plug in Higgins and leave the money on the table or Boyd and go real crazy with it. And Boyd just has to beat Chase at that point. Even if the ownership is still similar to your overall ownership percentage, you are still setting it up so that you're leaving a bunch of money on the table and you should be a lot more unique than everyone that just uses all the salary and plays Chase there. So I'll get your thoughts on some of those strategies if you want. And then let's get into some of the plays you like that stand out for you on the board. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's the thing, right? What can we do differently? How can you construct lineups differently? And if you think, if it plays out like some of these other games have played out where it's Stafford and Cup and everybody else gets a little bit of a sprinkle and you see the game where the Bengals are going to have to come back furiously to stay competitive, to stay in the game, then yeah, you've got Cup and Stafford, one of them captain, one of them flex with Burrow, a pass catcher, Mixon, maybe you get a kicker in there, maybe you get a low on tight end in there, something like that. So that's one way to do it. You can also do the reverse and say it's going to be Burrow and Chase or Burrow and Higgins or Burrow and Mixon even. I think you can pair Burrow and Mixon because of what we talked about, the dump offs there, and then say, well, the rest of this is going to be Matt Gay, it's going to be Blen, it's going to be... Stafford and Cup. And I think that's, you know, two ways to do it a little bit differently. And if you're running a lot of lineups, 
One thing I will bring up was a game probably early on in the season. I believe it was a Thursday night game, the Carolina Panthers at the Houston Texans, a big showdown slate, prize pools, Christian McCaffrey, somewhere in the totality of 96% owned, he goes down on the first drive of the game. Yeah. If you had one of those 4% of lineups that didn't have Christian McCaffrey, you made money that night, no matter how bad the rest of your lineup was. That's the same scenario we see here with Cooper Cup. So if you're playing five lineups or more, make at least one without him, just in case something crazy happens. Yeah, and build accordingly. Like, I think that's the key too. So you said it there, but if you're going to go without Cup, that's when you want to fill the other guys in. Just, just some other examples I'll give, like, Tyler Higby, if he gets ruled out, I'm, I'm assuming a lot here with this, but just from what I'm hearing right now, it sounds like it could be the case. The very obvious is Kendall Blunt. He's going to pop in projections. We saw him fill in no problem after the Higby injury and look very good in doing so. And that's just the obvious. When Higby's out, plug in Blanton. Hey, I'm good to go. But what about Bryce Hopkins? Again, it's a Super Bowl. He's cheap. There's my point of how you get crazy off the board without being crazy. Everyone that has Higby in their lineup now, Finds out he's out in our example. Switches says, no problem. Easy swap. Click out. Blanton's right there. Boom. And I'm more unique because I left 200 bucks on the table. No, you're basically the same as what everybody else just did that we didn't want to try or risk or do anything else different. You talked earlier about Scournick. What about him? Like it could be any of them. Even if they're not seemingly the guy, it's the Super Bowl. Anything could happen. I would not just drop down to Blanton as, unless you have a really unique lineup or already a bunch of money on the table. I would prefer, like if you had like Blanton, if you had Higby in a no cup lineup, then sure, go down to Blanton because you're already very different by not having cup in the lineup at all. And maybe the rest of the way that it's set up. But if you're just doing your maxed out 50K lineup, with Higby and drop into Blanton. I don't love it because everyone's going to do the same. I would drop down to Hopkins, hope he catches a touchdown for 200 bucks or Skowernick and take the risk and just leave that money on the table because while you still could be duped because I'm obviously not the only person out there strategizing that way, I still think it's better than dropping down to the most obvious and more obvious play there. Some of the other guys for me, J.T. Hayes, uh, Samaje Pirine, don't think he's going to have a big game, but could he show up on the optimal because he makes other things work? Definitely a possibility. I think they could use him here. Uh, Skournick, who I just talked about. Bryce Hopkins, who I talked about. There's not a lot outside of that. I think the strategy aspect we brought into it will be more popular, but you can talk on more guys you might like, more strategies you might like, or if you want to, the uh, the dreaded conversation we still need to have to round out the show is, of course, the kicker defense conversation here. It is a Super Bowl. Usually in these showdown strategies and slates, people don't like to talk about defense very much, but what are your thoughts here on those guys as well? I mean, look, you've got two of the best kickers and in recent memory in terms of this season, two of the deadliest kickers yeah. in the game here and Matt Gay and Money McPherson. Who doesn't want to play these guys in at least a few lineups? And if this game is high scoring, you could see some combination of bend that bend but don't break defense combined with some big plays so you get some field goals in there you get the extra points in there these are two coaches where they don't really go off the board with the going for two two-point conversion things so definitely have to consider them and defenses in a matchup like this with a nearly 50 point total I don't think defenses are going to be very highly owned I don't know what the Chances are that they're optimal, but again, if we see something crazy, something out of nowhere, both these teams, their route to the playoffs, their route to the Super Bowl 
Not exactly the same. I, I think I'd give the Bengals a little bit more in terms of their strength of schedule. Yes, it was the Raiders, but then they get past the Titans. They get past the Chiefs. Give the Rams credit for getting past a very loaded San Francisco 49ers team. But the Cardinals, without DeAndre Hopkins and some of the other pieces they were missing on defense, and then Tom Brady and the Buccaneers missing almost all of their wide receivers core, Bengals have had a tougher path to get to the Super Bowl, have played in the more recent few weeks the better teams. But then again, you do have the fact that the Rams did beat the Niners, who I thought had a really good chance of winning that game and getting to the Super Bowl. So I think we see a good game. Yeah, I agree. I, I do. I would say one more thing, just too back. You mentioned Money Mac. Love that guy. Love the confidence. And then the other side, though, Matt Gay. It's just a prime example, right? Here we go again. So you, you come down here, Matt Gay. I just had it thirty-eight hundred bucks. He'll have. He'll probably have very similar ownership to Blanton. But I could eat, like this is the thing, right? Blanton gets three catches for thirty. He gets the three PPR points for the receptions. He gets the three points at ten yards per point or one point per ten yards for the thirty yards. There's six. That is very easy for Matt Gay to destroy on two kicks. Like, what if he kicks four field goals? You know what I mean? Even in a high-scoring game, he could kick five field goals. Like, you have no idea how it's going to shake out. So that's kind of my point where, you again, you'd be leaving money, playing the kicker instead, or play them both together and alleviate from another cheap guy or whatever you're trying to do within your builds. I just think there's so many things that you can do to be different and within your strategy besides just the obvious leave money on the table to be unique. Try and still tell a story try and make some pivots that are sharper and get some leverage plays in there and do that. And I think it's going to come down to how you set it up with these running backs for LA talked about it already, how it's going to be heavy pass catchers involved. And then of course, in a Cooper cup lineup, most people are going to stack it up with receivers from the other side saying cup does the damage. It's a good story to tell. Don't get me wrong. Cup does the damage. Now Joe Burrow has to come from behind. It's going to be this guy, this guy, like chase Higgins Boyd. Again, it might not be. It might be check down to Uzoma who, if he plays. It might be check downs to Mixon like you talked about. It might be Money Mac having to make a couple big ones to keep them in the game, and you never know. And, and then you've got a totally different setup, at least within your cup builds, if you're doing that. I prefer to take the more aggressive approach. I'm happy, like I said, to play at most one of, of Chase and Cup and then have lineups with none of them and just build them completely different and just take my shot that way. Because like you said, anything can happen. And if I'm, you know, if it's a five or, or 20, five to 20% chance, let's say uh, Cup's overall ownership is 80 to 95% by the time this thing shakes out, I don't think it'll get as high as 95, but just saying in general, it definitely could be 80. If you're in that other 20% bucket and getting leverage on that, that can be a massive difference maker on the entire day at the end of it, when you've got your shots at the top and just need that one little thing to break your way to be a part of the winning million dollars, or at least part of the chop that goes with it. So that's all I've got for this week, JT Hayes. Anything else you got? Final thoughts? Otherwise, let people know where they can find you, everything else you've got going on upcoming, and then I'll round us out for the final show of the year. At JT Hayes Jr. on Twitter.com, always at Rum Pure Sports. We'll be doing an off-the-chalk show on Saturday evening at Rum Pure Sports to talk about the Super Bowl slate. And then on Friday nights, if you're excited about the Super Bowl, but a little bit sad that football is gone and looking for something else to get your hands into until baseball season might or might not start up and you haven't tried out NBA, come on over to Run Pure Sports. Check out our hardwood show at 445, 445 tomorrow. I'll be giving out some winners there as well. 
Yeah, love Rum Pure Sports. You know, that's where you find me as well. So you guys can definitely check us out. I'll be on the Saturday night show with JT Hayes. Didn't want to say like a broad way of doing it. I think we went into plenty of great strategies here, but we will have a lot more news come Saturday evening. It's 9 p.m. or it's 8 p.m. Eastern, I should say, this weekend. So we'll be on the show together. A draft cheat, I believe, and AP. So it'll be a good little show, four-man booth, really giving out the, the heavy hitter as far as strategy, final numbers, build types, everything with where we're at, breaking down the final numbers. So join us over on YouTube for that, Run Pure Sports. You can find me on Twitter, at Totag and Tambo. Hit me up there if you guys have any questions. Other than that, we appreciate you. Thank you for the great season, and good luck.